Welcome back. I was trying to guess what song you're gonna. You try can to blame do. it all on me. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> like, baby, come back. I don't. I don't know why I explained my jokes. At some point, it became funny to be like not funny in the '80s and '90s and then early 2000s, and I've adopted every form of that. We Instead s- of being witty and just like not explaining, now I just am like. Nicole I made I, a joke. Did you hear my joke? <laughs> Nicole <laughs> joke? and I went to a show, like a comedy show, uh-huh. on a Friday night, and one of the openers bombed really bad. That's awesome. Was, I bet that's the but best it's just feeling. as entertaining as yeah. if they were funny. I don't know. Whenever I good. hear comedy, uh, comedian, uh, comedians on uh, <laughs> podcasts, they're like bombing is the best. They a lot, so many of them enjoy it. Like, it's, it's funny because the only people laughing are like the other comedians in the back. By this one part where they're I all hanging that, out, I think <laughs> they're the only I, ones laughing at it. If I did more stand up than I I have done, I think I would start pushing for that. And because I th- I think being like not funny is so fucking funny. Like if I'm in an elevator with somebody and I make a bad joke and they like ignore me or don't laugh, that makes my fucking day. <laughs> it, you, it used to make my day if they laughed, and now if I'm like just like well going up menswear or whatever, like, steal Jim Carrey joke, you know? They're and, like boo. <laughs> <laughs> they just start booing you. <laughs> I owe you an apology, Eric, because... What happened? Well, well, first off, welcome back to the Aging Punks Complaint, oh, yeah, the yeah, only yeah, podcast buddy. where the guest surprises us with a complaint, and it doesn't matter if that actually happens. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Raymond Strife. I am Eric. Eric, I owe you an apology because five years ago, probably, years ago. Uh, maybe longer, you loaned me like six Jerky Boys CDs because I thought they only had three. Oh, yeah. You still have those? And or I, no? I have. I was, I was like un- finally unpacking stuff in my room last night, my my study. I think the only one you didn't borrow was like the Greatest Hits one, but, but that's because you would have had them all anyways. Yeah, on I all have. the ones you borrowed, so you didn't really I found a one. couple of them. I meant to bring them today, but I'm always late. They got together and did a new one, actually. Did you hear that one? You, I've heard it from you. Oh, okay. You are the. I, I, I know. I don't know. They if you should pay to. us actually I, I know, for how I, many times you've said that. No, on I think the I podcast. told you, but I didn't know if you'd actually heard it. No, nah, I haven't heard. It's it. pretty funny. I mean, it's just like their old shit, but it's pretty funny. What's up with you? Saul's like talking to fucking scammers and shit, just like you. Yeah, it's it's funny though. The king but. now, the apprentice is now <laughs> the teacher. Um, what's up, man? You want to? Um, do you, you got anything you, special to say? I don't know. What'd you do this week? <laughs> Nothing. It's raining uh, like a motherfucker. Just worked, man. Worked and exercised and. Uh, slept. Yeah, and that's was, all I do now. Yeah, I was saying we went to that comedy show. That that's pretty it. cool. Fucking car accident on the way home. We had to like happen right before we fucking. I think it was what was that ninety five? I guess. Oh yeah, pretty looked pretty bad. I was like, fuck. Yeah, man. there was one on one twenty nine the other day and was shut down for like two days. This two tractor days. Tractor trailer across Wait, where? the whole on one twenty nine where it meets. Uh, it goes by the prison or yeah. whatever. This is really exciting yeah. for people who don't live here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was right they know by how the traffic goes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> any, any accident sucks, deal with man. Traffic. They have accidents everywhere. It sucks. Well, this yeah. is really stimulating. So we should get to our guest probably. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> our guest today. Uh, this is uh, I don't know this gentleman that well. Uh, I, I had the pleasure of meeting him once uh, at a show in Buffalo. He's extremely talented uh, rapper, writer, performer. I believe he's a teacher. Um, Buffalo. I, I said it all. I'm the best at intros. They just keep getting better. Ladies and gentlemen, Chucky Campbell. Thank you. Hey, man. Thanks for getting yeah, up early for us. <laughs> no problem. Appreciate it. 
right, what's up? What's, <laughs> so up? what's up? We're done. All right. <laughs> How's it? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna. I was gonna say something. You, you introduced him as a teacher. It's Sunday. You don't want to get up. Fucking. I know. This early, jeez. I know. <laughs> I mean, right. that's. I, I, I'd say like a lot of DIY touring rappers also have some sort of teaching gig or have had. Yeah. Some sort. It's very yeah, interesting. You to want me. to sleep in on your weekends and shit you know <laughs> i know we're assholes yeah. we're asking people to do right. this all of us have some kind of side gig you know yeah yeah so we're trying to support the real art that we, that we would like to do yeah yeah i gave up man i, I don't make real art um i don't even have the, the the art is a side gig or whatever i don't even i just i still love it i'm kind of like i i'm just old and i i gotta pay the mortgage now so i'm like Rap on the weekends, guy. Now yeah, you're gonna your next album's gonna be called Rapping as a Sidekick or something, <laughs> right? something crazy. I don't know, man. That'd be, be, that'd be cool. It'll be called <laughs> Kill Me, Shoot Me Again. I'm already no, dead. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, Chucky, what's up, man? Sorry, we're just babbling. I got too much caffeine uh, this morning. All good, uh, no. all good. I, th- I thought I would come to the table today and um, kind of pose the idea of identity because it's something that everybody's been talking about a whole lot lately. Self-concept, you know, um, people identify in particular ways. Um, but there's a lot of other research going on in the background, especially um, what I'm seeing in academia and then what I've seen in the current conversation and culture today. So Interesting. I, I do think uh, maybe I'm, I'm like a narcissist or something, but like every time someone comes in with a good topic, I'm like, wow, I was just thinking about this. Like, about me and my identity <laughs> like but of course like it's a, a good i mean most people probably are thinking about their identity I, I think i'd envy people who don't think about it too often probably um but yeah i i i i'm not sure exactly what specifically you're talking about but for me i i'm constantly like, thinking about who i am and how i got this way and what have i taken from like examples in my life like what like what things did I make you use to make me? What things were unconscious influences? Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. So uh, at Niagara University, I teach uh, the title narrative identity, and it um, it focuses on the narrative self. So this idea in psychology that uh, you have a yeah, self that's that? ever evolving throughout life, um, and you tell us yourself about yourself. So you have your um reconstructed past that makes your perceived present and then creates your imagined future wow this is blowing my mind that's uh <laughs> this is heavy man yeah so you teach you're you're incredibly smart huh i didn't i had i don't know you that well sorry i, I apologize we had some audio cut out for a second i don't know what happened there was when he was talking for a second it's not yeah it's okay sorry everybody we got it just letting it's know. working um, right now, just so i make it, people are gonna be like what the fuck no uh, sense. so <laughs> you're talking about like um like essentially like first person narration of your life, but the way you would talk to yourself, like mentally, is that? Yeah, to some extent. Um, So there's a number of stories that we tell ourselves culturally. So like that inform who we are, but we also uh, from a very early age start to tell this like long story of who we're supposed to be. And it affects like your mental health, the way you see yourself, uh, the way you individuate your, your, um, you know, your life in a certain way and your identity, but it also affects the way people see things like gender and race and class. Yeah. And um, uh, specifically in the political arena, it's very heavy right now, too, between people who see themselves only as conservative or only as liberal or 
the difference between liberal and leftist versus rightist and all this other craziness that's going on. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, man. I, you were very articulate about the subject. That's awesome. That's it's You're making it so easy to understand things. Um, when I, I do feel like, uh, for me specifically, I had all these like ideas. I, I've been really coming to terms with how easily I am influenced by media and like how how much I was influenced by like fiction growing up, and that molded up this like personality that is like impossible to maintain. Where like I think I'm like I wish I was a superhero. I wish I was the main character. I wish, and uh, I've been thinking about that a lot and talking about that in therapy and like why I, I became that way. But like it's. It's it's very um, it seems like it's beyond me, but it's definitely me telling that story. But like you said, from such an early age, that it's like reality. It's like um, it's like it was always there, even though I can can kind of control it. I do think for me, being more fluid and liquid with like how things should or shouldn't be, and understanding that there's not really any rules is helpful and. It's helped me grow as a person, but that could really probably help the world, <laughs> honestly, with everything. I think uh, the the solid lines we draw are really um, fictional. It's it's interesting, right? Most of it's constructed. So, like, if you think about like someone's race, you know, that's you know ninety something percent biologically, we're all the same, you know. But then most of that's constructed. You know, the way that we see other people co-authoring ourselves the way that we are co-authored um in terms of our family unit you know um you could look at um numerous examples that just that uh really dig in a little bit deeper right like when we see ourselves in archetypes like you said like heroes you know like um if we think that we are the savior then we might engage with people that uh we have to save all the time yeah. You know, so like, let's say you're in a relationship and, uh, you know, you might find boring the relationship that's really healthy for you, but you might find super exciting the relationship that's toxic. That's because so, you always have to like fix a problem. What, you, know? you should be a therapist. That's a, that's such a <laughs> breakdown of so 90% of the people I know and myself in the past included. Like, like it's not interesting if it's working. It, it's like you, you, a movie's not interesting if there's no conflict. You don't just watch a movie of yeah, happy people it, get by and then they're happy at the end and nothing happens. Just some happens. dude going about his normal ass Yeah, day, right. So like, like <laughs> and I think I often think about um, how I like us and generations before us all the way to like close to, you know, the 30s if you want to think about it, but like people before that didn't have movies or television. And like I wonder what in like how you would go about your day and what you would use as an example for what you're life and your family life would should be as opposed to like when i watch tv i go oh i love this character i love i that's what oh i love the way this family is i love the way these friends interact that's really sweet and beautiful and that has molded what i want or what i don't want well i guess people would read books and stories books, about shit books back are then, part of it and yeah it, that kind of for sure shape stuff uh, the community ideas, probably right? is part of it yeah but I, I it's it's really i think about that often because it's really molded all my whole brain. Every comic yeah. books, like I, yeah. I still love fiction. Like I, it's my favorite thing in the world, and I'm very yeah. aware of it manipulating my feelings. But that's probably why I love it. So you know, 
Well, of course. <laughs> it's not, right. it's I mean, there's a certain kind of structure, right? Like when certain stories cohere, then they have unity. So like if someone's telling them a, themselves a story that's like unified, then it's making sense to themselves and to the world. But then the more stories that we come in contact with, the more fragmented our, our overall story is, right? So it's harder to cohere something that's always jumping around. Like if you guys watched Family Guy before? Yes. What's that? And like there's always... <laughs> no, okay. Eric's a huge family guy. <laughs> right. So you got like the inner, like there's one narrative story that's being told each episode, but inside of that story, there are like a hundred sub stories that like are jumping in and out of the scene. And it's like, this happens with the Simpsons too. And a number of other, right. um, you know, especially in like, um, cartoons or comic books, you see a lot of this kind of interruption. Oh, where they're like cutting away to a thing real quick and then coming back. I think. I know absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that kind of postmodern narrative storytelling where you get the fragmentation of stories makes it harder to unify one coherent one. So if like, let's say you're um, you're weighing the story of how you present yourself on social media with how you present yourself to your family, with how you present yourself to uh, at work. You know, these are different identities that you inhabit throughout the day. And then you're always trying to conceal those things into one thing. Um you know, and that can come in conflict, right? Because the value systems are different, right? You know, like, um, and when one runs up against the other, that's where that conflict comes in that we were talking about. Yeah, that's this is awesome, man. You, you're you're really good at um, like speaking these these thoughts into into words into reality. Because I would just be like, you know, like when you're well, you want to be positive on Instagram, but like. <laughs> Well, like sometimes life sucks, but you don't want to show like I would just I would never be saying it as well as you're saying. And I really like the way you're breaking it down. Uh, I can see why you're a teacher. Um, yeah, I, I do think I don't like to I, I used to post really negative when I was like. Like just like wiling out, partying a lot. And I, that was kind of my persona was like self-deprecating. Um <laughs> being super negative but like it was funny to me it wasn't always how i felt necessarily but also you do that and that's who you are to people and they don't think there's no dividing line if they don't know you well and uh you know i started getting people coming up to me and they'd be like yo let's do a shot let's do some drugs and then you know you're talking and they're like well you're a fucking worthless piece of shit man so who cares right and i'm like you can't say that to me. Like I'm not a worthless. Pe- like maybe I've said that. It's a. I'm not like totally convinced they're of like, it. Come on, man. You're a piece of shit. Yeah, they're what like. The they're like. What do you care? You fucking worthless bag of shit. And like, you're like, okay. Oh my God. But like, and and I I a lot of people probably don't think this about me, but I I very much take responsibility for things probably too much, and uh, I start going, well, yeah, I I put that out there, so. How can I be mad at them for you're, thinking that? You're like, only I could say that. What so the fuck? I've really flipped the script on that lately. I do. And now I don't know if it's maybe it's not as positive, but I, I only post. I try to only post really positive stuff. Um, I might make a snarky joke once in a while, but I don't I don't I'm not here to complain. Like, I don't really like even complaining in real life, which I, that's the podcast. But I don't want. I'm not going to complain on social media. I used to post. Maybe, yeah, you don't even I'll, you don't even post, post about the podcast. Yeah, that's maybe right. I should. But uh, yeah, I, I do think those things can, it's like uh, a lot of stuff people tell you when you're younger, I, I never believed it. Like, you know, if you keep saying stuff about it, it'll be true. If you let people say stuff about you, it'll be true. And it's like, well, how can it be true if it's not true in here? But it doesn't matter because 
it, it does become true because it's it's about perception, the way people treat you. It doesn't necessarily matter what's what's true for you if other people can't see it. So it does become like so separate, but it affects your life regardless. So it, it it's a very uh, weird time to be alive. Also with with that. Hey man, yes it is. Um, I like what you, I like what you just said there. Like even though it's not true, if it's if it's treated as if it is true, then it becomes true, right? right. Like that's kind of like if you go back to the race thing, right? Like if it's ninety percent biological determination is not real, um, even though uh, race in itself is not absolutely real, um, it, though it's treated as if it is real, it becomes real in its effects, right? Like so, if you look at look at it that way. Um, and that becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, not just with race, but like with anything we're talking about, like personas of rappers, for instance, right. like when we're uh, when we uh, treat ourselves as if we are the persona that we're showing to the public then the public kind of has no choice but to treat us as the persona that we create. And sometimes those personas are usually dark. They come from dark spaces of who we are. They come from uh, less desirable spaces of who we are. It might even be, um, you know, characters that we've created that um, are fictional, but overall have like maybe that hero arc or that narrative. Like you were talking about, like, I see myself as the character in my story that uh, kind of maybe is overcoming or, you know, yeah. like if you imagine yourself as Batman, <laughs> you know, like then other people are going to see you as that, you know, on the on the other side and then treat you um, in many ways. It's just like someone coming up to you on the sidewalk and being like, hey, man, you're a rapper. So rap. Uh, yeah. Which is the absolute worst <laughs> thing still to this <laughs> it's day. It's 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 like, well, what are you, a blacksmith? Like, build me a fucking sword right now. Like, fuck you, dude. Like, I, 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 I do think when when I started rapping solo, like when I was doing stuff in the band when I was really young, really young now. Um, I was writing really honestly and uh, writing about flaws and relationships and it was abstract, but it was a lot of the words were things I was feeling, whether they lasted or didn't. When I started rapping, I was hanging out with dudes that were very, it was half braggadocio, half I'm a scumbag, like half I'm like a third I'm offensive, you know? And then that, that was kind of where I went with it in that era, like the early, the mid aughts. And um, it became this really exaggerated thing of who I was. Like, I was like in the punk scene, I was getting in fights, but I was like a good friend. I was a nice person. But when you start rapping really negatively, um, it's hard to not let that even seep into your own perception of yourself. And I do think I, I let that overtake me for a long time. Like, I really kind of hit bottom. I was like rapping about hitting bottom and then like I was like not quite there and then that kind of pushed me over the limit because you you are putting something out there that and ultimately whatever in the universe whatever I'm, I don't like to talk like that but people things they find that signal and they it comes back to you so you're going to yeah, rap you, you know about being well being a scumbag and you're going to other people who relate to that are going to come meet you and be like, let's be scumbags together. And it's not their fault. Uh, I mean, and it's maybe not your fault, but it's kind of, for me, I think it was kind of my fault. And I've, I've kind of, I'm glad I was literally just thinking about this on the ride in about how I've kind of dug myself out of that. 
And uh, that's so funny that this is what you brought up today. And the other, well, well, no, please, I'm sorry. no, you, you, please go ahead. Well, it sounds like, I mean, like in those, in specific cultures and communities, you're going to be asked to validate yourself, right? Like the self that you create, the story that you adopt or the ideal self that that's there. Other people are going to ask you to say, oh, is this really an authentic you? And if it's not, then it can um, take away your social capital, right? right. Like, so it can make you less powerful in that community. So there's all this pressure to be something that you're not all the time. Right. And yourself is always evolving throughout time. So like you don't have the flexibility to be treated as you actually are. So you're always living up to something that you're not, <laughs> right. you know, it's specifically problematic for rapping because you have like the personas of like the gangster, right. The gangster yeah. rapper, um, all of these uh, pressures to be something um, inside of a community that uh, should be uh, a lot more. Uh, it is diverse, but it doesn't celebrate diversity the way it should all the time. Right, right, and it's very. It can be depending on where you are. It it can be just as supportive as any other DIY culture, but it's it's a lot of it's braggadocio, a lot of it's competition, whether it is behind the scenes or not. Which it is sometimes, depending on where you are. I think, but yeah, it's very it can keep you at an arm's length with people too, which is kind of, you're there for a community, really. I mean, I guess some people are out there for themselves, but it, it does kind of separate lines and make things confusing. Uh, what the fuck? I, I lost a thought. I have so many thoughts spraying <laughs> off here, but... Uh, you don't have your notepad. I know. You had I know. a notepad before, remember? I know, I know, I know. But the, uh, the thing you were saying about like upholding... Um, like upholding these standards or whatever and, and people's perception of it that it just hits home because like um, I grew up like the kind of comedy I like all that is like a guy I, I have anxiety I was depressed I'm nervous I'm I have low self-esteem so it's like it to put a spotlight on that took power away from how it could hurt me so that's why I like humor that's self-deprecating I like uh, rap that's like that you know and um the uh you you put a spotlight on that but then i grew up like watching westerns and superheroes where when you do acts of like good and kindness you do not celebrate them you do not brag about them you stay humble you do not tell people about them so i am never celebrating the good things in my life <laughs> like i'm never telling people about any good i do or any good i co i do collectively or or with people because to me, I'm like, well, why would you brag about that? You don't help people and then brag about it or post about it. But then if I'm doing drugs or getting a fist fight, then I'm writing about it and celebrating. And that's nobody gets it's completely one sided what I'm sharing with the world. And there's huh, some man. romance to that, but it is also like incredibly depressing. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to die and everyone's be like, what a fucking scumbag. You got to start <laughs> promoting yourself positively. Yeah, I, I guess so. Deal well, I mean, I think I think that's the problem with a lot. I mean, any artist, I feel like, you know, like, I don't know. It tends to be the dark stuff that comes out first. Yeah. Or it's not taken seriously, you know, like there's a kind of subversive nature to it. I remember, you know, when I started writing short stories or poems or songs, any of these things that were coming out of me were always aggressive, always dark, negative. They were always steered toward that way. I think maybe because I had a subconscious fear it wouldn't be taken seriously. Um, if it wasn't, if it wasn't dark, right. right? If it, um, but you have to be careful. Like Raymond said, like, if you don't paint the silver lining of the cloud, 
everything just looks terrible all the time. And Which, that's not good for us either. And honestly, on a on just a creative level, I don't really write like at least lyrics when I'm happy. It's mm-hmm. it's an outlet. Like I don't when I'm feeling and I don't really I write some stuff when I'm mad, but mostly I just write when I'm feeling something or I come up with something, but I don't like when life goes well, I don't like write have a ever, song about life. Well. I don't, I don't know. Do I, don't, I, I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> what I want either or what I'd like. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I try to be more honest now when I write where like, but which is like this podcast, right? It's like we talk, we start about a topic and then I spend the rest of the day, like talking myself out of it. Like I, tr- <laughs> I try to see both sides of everything. And that's also People don't necessarily want to hear you rap and go, well, yeah, like I hate this thing, but you know, maybe if I think deeper, I love this. Like that, you would just be writing the same song about your duality over and over again. People want to hear the extreme and feel like it's okay to feel that way. But you also have to have like the, like the, the self awareness to understand that that's not actually everything. And I, I do like hyperbole and I do like exaggeration and I do like being able to write a feeling I have negatively in its like fullest form and then be able to understand that that's not real. Like I don't have to feel that way one second later, but it is hard for people who enjoy your music or enjoy anyone's music or to like accept that you don't necessarily believe what you wrote. Like if they love the song you wrote, <laughs> they essentially you're not allowed to feel different from that <laughs> afterwards. But I could feel different from it during the writing of the song. So I, I, I think if people just don't, I don't know why, but it's so hard that people get these rules for living and for everyone. And it's so hard to accept that. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Like that's not how rules and limits work. Like people's minds don't just go one way all the time. Yeah. Is it weird listening? Oh, like, sorry. sorry. When you listen to like your old, old, old stuff from a long time yeah. ago that you wrote and you're like, yeah. what the fuck? I hate most of it. To really? Be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, art is always like this lie that we use to tell the truth, right? Like it can never be the real, it can never be you, right? You're reproducing something that's coming out of you. Right. So it's like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, you know, and you're looking back at it and it can never be who you actually are in time. So like um, most of the stuff that we do look back at that we've created um, can never really live up to who we are today. I did have, a pretty, um, I guess, interesting uh, experience lately where I went back and listened to some music from one of my friends that passed. And um, that I, for it was a really dark couple of weeks for me. I was just like kind of re, re-listening to his work over and over. Mm. And I found myself kind of um, not just being, not really just mourning him, but like kind of, I, I found myself trapped in a in a time or an era or a way of thinking that I was already past in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's weird how art can do that. It can it can kind of like transport you, yeah, to like, like this place that um, uh, can either be un, it could be healthy or unhealthy or whatever it is how you remember it. You know, yeah. Um, so I. I find it interesting that you look back at your work and you see it that way. Like you have a distance to it, but maybe you have certain feelings about it, but that might be because of the way you see yourself now, as opposed to who you were then. Yeah. And I can, I'm looking at it in a, a, such a specific way that no one else can. Like I can remember what was going on in my life or, 
or what right. was going on right after. And it's not like those songs necessarily led to that, but they kind of did, especially now I, I barely play shows, but back when I was writing all my first stuff, I mean, I was playing four shows a week. I, you know, I was, I was playing hundreds of fucking shows a year. So like, it's hard. I can't remember most specific shows, but I can remember where I was and specific big events happening around them. Mostly traumatic. Like I don't think about the good ones. I think about the bad ones, which is something I'm working on too, which is really hard, but it is interesting how art can make you that way. Like I, I always was a big advocate of like people make choices at the end of the day. Like, like a rap song can't make you do something. Metal song can't make you do something, but I'm not saying I would never reverse my position on that, but I do know that I'll listen to a type of music and it will make me feel a certain way. Like I will feel aggressive. I will feel sad and it's up to you what you do with that. But some people are less stable than others. You know, like there's been times in my life where like, I'm going to go pick a fight. (laughs) You know, I'm going to go listen to some rowdy shit, have a couple shots and maybe get in a bar fight tonight. And that's, that's not the song's fault. There's a lot of factors going on there. But when I listen to that song again, I will get that at least like shades of that feeling back. Like, oh, wow, that's how that used to make me feel. Now you're like, I'll just go ride my bike now and listen. No, to yeah, it. well, no? yeah, yeah, that I mean, does help on do. my bike. Now, some, the la- I will say I'm not going to go too crazy into it, but the last time I got in a, a real fight was a few years ago, and I was watching a show where, like with just tough dudes fighting all the time and it was at the tip of my brain and I went out drinking and <laughs> were we someone doing, were we doing a, the podcast then or no no, no, no someone that. picked a fight and someone just kind of I was in the right but it, it got way out of hand and I had I not been so hyped on the TV I was watching I probably wouldn't have been so quick to what, throw hands what was it? What were, do you remember what you were watching yeah I, letter Kenny oh. <laughs> <laughs> the dude oh, is the lead dude is just the toughest <laughs> most stoic dude and, and he's highly fictitious yeah like, don't go act he like does those not dudes. exist don't like, act like people but, from a tv show <laughs> but like i'm just saying like i'm easily influenced by that stuff but it gets me like jacked up like what do you what does a boxer watch before he gets in the yeah. ring like i don't know like it, i'm not saying it makes me look bad saying that I know, but, but also like, you know, it's up to, ultimately up to you what you do with that stuff. But like, I know I'm not the dude from letter Kenny. I'm not a Canadian dude who lives on a farm. I'm five, eight. I'm not, I'm not a big dude. Like, but what if you're around, like if you're also like besides fiction for me, if I was hanging around five tough dudes, I would feel like the sixth tough dude. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I'm literally the sixth, like the lot, the lowest dude on that hierarchy, but I would still, live my day like yeah i'm one of these guys and i've been in situations like that also if i was hanging around with more positive people like especially in my 20s maybe i would have felt like the sixth most positive nerd and like writing and doing art and maybe talking shit out instead of but also i kind of mapped out where i would end up or where i thought i deserved to be so it's not anyone's fault and it's not even my fault. It's I've also been you. I don't know. You probably learned about this a little. I, I'm not sure which doctors are talking about this, but um, there's been some talk of like how genetically, like our choices are just like we are. We would make the same exact. Like if we were born and doing it all over again, we would make the same exact choices. That's, like our I don't stuff. Know about that. It's not like predetermination, like in a religious way. But it's like our brain chemistry and the events in our life just wire us, and there's patterns 
like we sit around kicking ourselves and changing, but there's... So they're saying no matter where you were raised or by who or what you were... T- like you would well, still do the exact same no, shit I again? Don't, that's, that that's doesn't not, make any that's sense. That's not what they're saying. They're saying like you spend this time essentially like this is how I take it, like regretting things you've done or whatever, but given the same exact scenarios, you would do the same thing. Oh, like uh, okay. You, if it was you, the same it's, exact... It's, okay. It's genetic, but it's it's also nurture. It's nature and nurture. Okay. okay. But it's, I see what you mean there. It's basically like you don't have control over the way you react. I still to don't. I still don't. Yeah, I, I don't want to believe it, but there, it explains some things. You know, it's it's tempting to believe. So. Yeah, there are a lot of neuroscientists that that latch onto this stuff. You know, like Sam Harris talks a lot about that. Yeah, about how no such thing as free will, and then um, <clears throat> there are some other uh, sci- there are some other actually like um, evolutionary biologists that have been talking about this. Um, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but he was on the, uh, I think it's the Lex Freeman podcast or oh. whatever. I think it came through my YouTube for some strange reason. Uh, my YouTube is really boring, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's all right. My inside of YouTube stuff. But um, uh, I was watching this guy talk about how he believed that consciousness was something that was emergent and not something that was like, that were filtering through so most people think like you know either the human brain is what's dictating the way that we think or the way we see ourselves but then there's other people that think that we're nothing but neurons and electric signals and uh, you know like the self is a truly imaginary illusory thing right and that every action that we ever made the fact that i'm like maybe even appearing on this contact uh, on this podcast today wasn't even a choice that i made it was just something that was always going to happen because the events had led me here Right. You know. Right. And, and the, you know, like, like the hive mind, like, uh, we're all connected, whether we want to be or not. And th- our energy and even brain function is all part of a bigger thing that is connected. Mm-hmm. And these are essentially like scientific things that are very similar to religious beliefs. Uh, but, but they're, they are better explained to me. Like, that's more believable to me. Like, I, I'm not here to talk to tell anybody what to believe, but I, I do think like, we you talk to someone and you have common thoughts. You know what I mean? Like it's not. Yeah, we're all connected to the matrix, right? Isn't that how? It, isn't that <laughs> what it is? Waiting for you to come in with something like that. Con- <laughs> yeah, but it is like. I mean, sort of. It's kind of like we're not. We're a bunch of non-playable characters. Like if you ever just sit yeah. on a stoop and watch people walk around, it really is like you'll see ten people talking to themselves. Like you you're see talking people about people like, that you just not interacting. With, essentially, like observing. walking into a wall, like bouncing off the wall over and over again. <laughs> like it, like it really is like watching Grand Theft Auto, and you just stop and watch the non-playable characters walk around. And yo, real quick, have you seen the mods people have done in games where they put like the Chat GPT? No. Uh, so that you, you walk up to a character and you could just have a full conversation with them. Oh, so it's Chat it's GPT fucking, masters. It's it? fucking weird, dude. Like in real time. It's like you could just walk up to any character and talk to him about anything. Ask him about their... T- it's fucking insane, dude. I think we're going to be... Right, that, it's pretty wild. That begs the question. It's like, all right, so are we like these large evolutionary biological language models? Are we like a, a strange lower form of chat <laughs> GPT? Right, probably. Like right. On AI, yeah. if, if it is emergent, then uh, it would mean that eventually you could build a structure that could be conscious or have conscious agents to it. Right. And what's, what's the difference eventually? And that's like the hardest sci-fi thing to ask yourself, right? Like you want to believe that humans are humans and our humanity is what matters. But like, I don't know, like, does it like what, I mean, I'd say evidence points 
to the otherwise, you know, like genocide and, and like there's no it's not like we're doing something inherently good. Like I do think there is inherent good in people on like a low level, but it seems like we just keep going the wrong way. So what's the difference between us and a computer that starts yeah. to be aware and starts yeah, to I react? Think, I think once it becomes sentient, it's going to be smart enough to like hide the fact that it's sentient. We wouldn't even know. I also think like <laughs> we talked about this before in different topics, but like Westworld is so good. Oh, man, I forgot about that. I've only seen like the first two seasons, but like the way they are biological, like they're people and they're just like programmed. And then they start realizing like we're programmed. Like, there yeah. we they like, it's like us like it's, real life it's just flesh and bone created <laughs> in a lab as opposed to birth and it's like then i start thinking about birth this is we're losing viewers now but this is like yo you've like, been doing shrooms or something no, man what but like fuck? birth is like birth <laughs> is so like for a human to grow in a, like the it's so bizarre i think about this all the time like how bizarre it is the way humans have like mammals like have babies it it's so it's so weird and if you if it didn't happen that way for us but just a different animal we would think it was the most bizarre un unlike yeah unrealistic is. thing it makes no fucking sense it blows my fucking mind like i just it seems like we're perfect machines the way we heal yeah. when we have like just a, what you get too much of something and you have to stop doing that and you can do less of it like the way it just we are like these self-healing machines that last all 80 years yeah i don't see what the difference between that and a computer is that starts to think you know really except that we're biological you know which is the word we made up to describe what we are so eventually we're they're going to start having i mean eventually we will start being more like bionic i guess because i mean we already are like and vice versa you could everything you could make a body in a lab and put chat gbt in the fucking body and have it walk up to you in real life instead of grand theft auto oh they're already doing that probably. i'm sure <laughs> that's what eric is dude sure we finally figured it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um but crazy. i mean it begs the question do they deserve rights i know, you know exactly exactly and if they are like you see some chat gbt's or, or whatever ais are like racist <laughs> like already like it's right. like well at some point like whether like what's the difference between having all your fingertips and all the knowledge in the world and and then the morality to, to do what's right with it or what's wrong with it like so it's like yeah if, if ai becomes sentient and has rights like but where did it come from and who influenced it so like if you have an ai that believes like one country is better than the other or, it, that's insane yeah. but or that's we all we're already like that so or what's once the difference? It, or once it learns oh humans are the ones destroying the planet we got to get rid of humans yeah some shit like that right that's, <laughs> that's not good i wonder what a structure of morality would even look like like if you just take all your large language model from the internet i mean i don't consider that to be an excellent real moral place no no nah. not at all not not even a little uh we earlier you were talking about you know political lines too and and we've talked about that in the past like i'll never understand these allegiances like it, you like you pick a side and you fight to the death and you go we're right you're wrong instead of just going oh well like some of this is right some of this is wrong some of this on this side works some of why wouldn't you combine the working elements of everything as opposed to just fighting and ignoring the your part that's wrong it, it, the, it it's just you know democracy in america is that built that way but but i feel like everything is built that way like it can't just be you got to be a conservative or you got to be a liberal you can't 
be anything in between. We, you got to be a, a capitalist or you got to be a communist. Like you can't like it's so crazy how we pick these. And I don't know if we pick them or if people tell us a certain thing from a young age and then we we feel like, well, this is the team I'm on. Yeah, it's but like it's why similar, wouldn't you it's just, similar to sports, right? Like you it's don't we already people. do it too. like people are so scared of socialism. But like the, there's a fire department, there's a post like these, there's these things that work. And but like we just people will not acknowledge it. And I, I will never understand why you, it's not even about being wrong at a certain point. Like it, you could just look at what works and use it. You fuck what you called it before. I'll, I'll never understand why we can't get past that. People don't like to admit when they're wrong. Or I, like, I, I don't like, know. Oh, man. I was doing the wrong shit. Oops. I think people are scared of ultimately it comes down to like family and people get scared of if my side's wrong at all, that side can take food out of my family's mouth somehow. And that's what scares people. Yeah, it shouldn't be like that. Though. I know it that makes, sucks. But what I do we do then? Super powerful. <laughs> fear is super powerful. It's gotta you know, be like, what generates most things, most reactions to everything really is, is fear. Yeah, oh, no, I found it. I found it interesting because, you know, a lot of ways that we individuate actually has a lot to do with, with fear, right? Like in terms of, identity like um if you look at like Jungian principles you know then like the things that you fear like in the shadow or the things that are actually like your most powerful self you know like if you were able to actualize and find those things um but often people spend their entire lives avoiding or trying to stay away from the things that they fear you know it's a natural protective mechanism that we use to you know survive yeah so how could you expect someone to be confronting all their fears all the time? That would be like the most (laughs) remarkable individual ever, but then you see it in certain characters, right? If we're talking about heroism, most hero heroines or, or or, uh, heroes in um, uh, typical literature or typical cinema today are ones that uh, overcome some dark moment. Yeah. Right. You know, I mentioned Batman earlier, like Batman falls down the well and he's all the bats, fly over him and then later he ends up out of all this darkness this terrible moment where his parents have been killed um creates the persona of batman because of all of the injustice in the world right he hones right. the fear the thing that scared him he goes i can use that to scare others which maybe isn't the best thing to take away from that lesson but <laughs> he runs toward you know a criminal killed his parents every night he goes out and faces down that criminal whether it's in it's in a different form but he goes towards the scariest thing in his life every day, which right. is, yeah, you're right, is the a remarkable thing. I mean, we even most writers of comics have grown as people. We have grown as a society where Batman doesn't just like break muggers' legs anymore. They find these not these huge reasons for him to keep dressing up and protecting and learning. And it's not like because it's kind of counterintuitive to like beat people up every night because they rob people because they're in poverty. <laughs> so you have to start making bigger uh, storylines than that. But Batman's a good example. Wolverine, you know, growing up, that arc yeah. was, he's a guy who has done so much wrong and he's constantly trying to fight the the beast inside of him to do what's right. And mm-hmm. at times he lets that beast out to do what's right. And there's a duality there. He's also a great anti-hero in the sense that his entire background is murder. It's 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 the worst uh, in all humanity, 
and he has to come to terms with that and be better. And uh, that's, you know, a great character for me. I almost, I often wonder like if I started like doing bad things so I would have a bad past to rise out of, you know what I mean? Like, like when you're a kid, you don't have a ton of regrets, you know, like you start creating moments where you regret them. Like maybe I wanted, like we were talking about where like people flock towards like a worse relationship because it's more interesting or because it's more, there's more to do there as a savior or whatever. It's like, maybe I gravitate gravitated towards hitting bottom or, wanting to have nothing or be off worse so that I could be better and have that behind me. And that's a story I, I use to be myself now. That's what I created. And it's, it's, it's one thing to write that down on paper. It's another thing where it's fucking real now. <laughs> like, you know, it happened. So it's, yeah. it's crazy, man. Yo, real quick. How does, how does Hulk become Hulk? I don't remember. I was just looking uh, at your, Gamma radiation. Is that what it is? Well, you, that's what happened to you because they're driving to that radioactive <laughs> yeah, you know what that, You become Hulk. Those are gamma. That's gamma oh, radiation really? also. So yeah, you're good. But, man. Uh, you'll just be the Hulk. Hulk is kind of an interesting one because he's saving Rick Jones. That's how he becomes irradiated. He's saving a, a purse, a teenager okay. who's out by the bomb. That. So he does a noble act to become the Hulk. But ultimately the Hulk was always inside him as a split personality. And he, uh, the Hulk is his rage and, you know, and, and the, the rage he's not allowed to express as a normal everyday guy. Mm. So the, he's always at odds with himself too, which is duality. And Hulk also fights, faces fears, you know, maybe, Banner doesn't get to do that. But the ultimate form of Hulk is the two combined, you know, the yeah. the thoughts and mind of Banner with the strength and uh perseverance of the Hulk. So Yeah. Uh, comics are a great literary tool. I've learned pretty much everything in my life from Damn, I didn't know you were exposed to gamma rays. I didn't know that's what Yeah, apparently they was. can only hurt you if you eat them, but apparently like I've like What uh, the hell is that shit even there for? Do we talk about think, why it was there before? I, I think it's people buried that's crazy. Toxic That's waste so or whatever. Crazy. I don't radiate whatever. That's a different thing. Sorry. Sorry, Jeff. we got off topic a little. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe that's why art like begins in those dark places, right? Like maybe it's trying to transform something like that is uh hurtful or painful into something that's um like celebrated in power, you know, like right. when you're at a pop show, sometimes you can just walk into the room and just hear a specific beat that's playing. And if like everybody's kind of in the culture and knows it, then it's like, uh, it's like everybody remembers that feeling or is right. in that feeling. It, it's uh, transformative, you know, and it's, and everybody can kind of relate to that power. Sometimes I wonder, you know, is that what, we're doing when we're channeling those darker sides of ourselves. You know, um, I worked with a, a young girl when I first started teaching and, uh, they had given me this, um, on the, uh, on like the last three days of the week at a, I was a college professor at the time, but I was making much money. So I was also working as a counselor at this high school cause they didn't have one. And, um, I was working with this girl and, uh, for, weeks this girl would not speak to me it was the most awkward situation ever she was court ordered to be in the sessions that she would come to she would sit there for an hour and then if she just sat there and didn't say anything to me i couldn't sign off on her paperwork so i was like at this dilemma so i was really young at the time i didn't know what i was doing that was just working the job because i needed money and i went and talked to one of my colleagues and uh over a beer and 
Um, she told me that, you know, what you should do is have her write. And I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, I've tried everything else. I guess I'll try this. Right. So I told, uh, I had this girl come in. I was like, you know, and by the way, this, she was stunning. She was like 16 years old, small, petite girl, beautiful. Uh, you would never think that she would ever be in this kind of trouble. By the way, she had, uh, the trouble that she was in, she had held up a, um, a convenience store at gunpoint. Oh, wow. She was 100, 125 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Like a right, small little, small girl. Right. And so I'm thinking, how do you even, how do you even get a gun? Why are you doing holding up? Yeah. How'd that progress? Convenience store. Okay. So, um, I can't even sign off on any of her paperwork, but I give her a journal and I'm like, the rules are, um, you know, as long as you write from the beginning when we're in here to the end and you leave the journal in here, then I sign off on your paperwork, you know, cause we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, she started, she started writing and I would, I came up with these different exercises every time. And one of them that I had was, um, was fears. Right. So one of the things that the lady told me is have her write down all the things she's scared of. Uh, um, and so the first conversation I ever got, in with this uh with this girl was uh when we did this list of fears and one of the things she put on the list was love and the first time i ever heard her voice i asked her i was like why would you be a scared why would you be afraid of love like i would think of i would think you of all people could you know just walk down the hallway and there would be you know men just jumping at you <laughs> like like she was a beautiful young girl she was smart she had good grades it was just whatever happened on the outside of school was terrible right um and so i ended up finding out that um so she's in this she ends up writing love down and the reason she says love is because her father left the family at an early age right this mm -hmm. was like she's like i think seven years old and uh from then on out she was she had trouble like trusting men mm. and um it just so happened that the 16 year old um ends up disclosing to me that she had been in a relationship with this 28 year old drug dealer <laughs> well known drug dealer in the uh in the neighborhood right and wow. everybody knew who he was um and that's how the gun that's how the charge came because he told her to rob the convenience store but um, they had been dating and he was just a terrible guy, right? He would rob her, he would beat her, he would, you know, treat her terribly. And I'm asking her, I'm like, you know, we get to the point, I'm like, why would you accept this kind of behavior from this guy? You know, and she said, because I can predict what he's going to do. Right. right. If I ever fell in love with someone else or gave my heart truly for somebody else authentically, then they have the potential to hurt me then. And it was like, oh, most of this was like a defense mechanism. You know, right, right. That she was using. Even writing um, the love is it, on that list is a really extremely <laughs> thank you. Sorry, an extremely to... uh, vulnerable thing to even share with you, uh, right. which is like actually really impressive to do that. Yeah, I that that is amazing. I uh, I don't. I spent a lot of time with therapists growing up and and school counselors where I was the one not talking. So I get that too. Yeah. I still have that where I talk a lot now, too much. But I if I have to talk about something real, I'll be like before I even know what's happening, I'll be on like the verge of tears. 
And mm-hmm. I always had that growing up. Like when you just started that story, I was that I was like instantly brought back to times where I was like in a room with a therapist for an hour and just like trying not to cry. Like I couldn't even say hello. And I don't, I still I don't even know what that's about. It's like just maybe not being having a place to express yourself honestly. So when you're called upon to do it, it's incredibly hard to get out like what you're feeling all at once, overwhelming. So I, I don't know where that comes from. That's like really interesting um, to hear a different perspective on that. I do think um, going back to what we were talking about in the beginning too, we were talking about how um, if you keep saying it and let other people say things, it becomes the perception of people's uh, people's perception of you can becomes your, can become your reality. And I was thinking about how like it happens to people who are like wrongly jailed also. Like if people are accused of murder and they go to jail for murder and later on are found to be wrongly um, prosecuted, their community will, people in their community will still be like, oh, they might've done it, you know? And they've already been through so much and then they'll be rejected by people in their, their own community because of, there was an accusation at one point, you know, I I think as a culture too, we don't, a lot of things are changing for the better now. And a lot of conversations are happening. Uh, I'm not like, Oh, cancel culture or anything like that. I'm not like against it or for it or, or believe that that's actually the necessarily what's happening. But I do think that some people get, um, like publicly, um, defamed or whatever for things they did or didn't do and we don't there's not a lot of forgiveness or like except like uh giving people room to grow also which i think happens uh yeah the- that's not the whole story right i mean right. people latch on to these like little narratives these sub narratives and then they think it stands for the whole person and it's just not fair to to hold somebody accountable for something that they've grown past or worked through or personally developed you know as a human being um, you know, we all make mistakes. Yeah. We all do wrong. That's something that I think may be missing from the conversation. I do think too, um, like we, we celebrated mistakes as a culture for so long in fiction. And just 10 years ago, you can watch movies and, and, and TV and, and even radio brought like people talking who aren't fiction and like the things that were, could be said and, and accepted as like humor or, or just storytelling or things we accepted from people now are like, dude, that's fucking wrong. That's disgusting. And, but like back then culturally, like you could see what was wrong with it, but it was like, huh, that's fine. Even family guy or something like that. Like we're really accepting of these things. And then 10 years later, we're like, no, fuck that. That's disgusting. And someone will go back to find someone's tweet from that era and be like, I can't (laughs) believe they said that. But it's like, everybody said that then. Whether you know, and 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 saying everybody is wrong, but just collectively the culture shifts, and you have to allow for people to correct. You know, like you can't just be like, oh, everybody back then is a piece of shit, and they always will be. Otherwise, you never get like we'll never move on as a culture together. So I do think that's like an interesting thing. I do. I don't think accountability is out the window. Like, of course, you need to be accountable for things you've done, but it is crazy the way people it's this internet culture where like people have all done something wrong, but they hyper focus on whatever's in the, the 24 hour cycle that day. And they 
they tear someone down and never really give them a chance to be better, uh, which is, it goes both ways, I guess, you know. It's almost like a trauma response, you know, yes. like it's like overcorrection. Yes. It's like we've been so traumatized throughout the years, lied to that we're almost, it's almost impossible to believe anything or trust anything or right. feel anything genuinely. Um, and this comes from your government and, you know, Lord knows what else, your ed- education system, you know, like the, you know, your family unit, it comes from almost all corners of society. And I feel like maybe now all of those things have kind of coordinated together and people aren't able to trust anything. Right. You know, when a lot of people like, I feel like um, a lot of friends I have and, and myself included, don't think, I don't think like the current, like, I don't think prisons work. I don't think like our prosecuted, like the way we do, the way we treat people who have committed crimes, I don't think that's works. It's not effective. It, it gets us nowhere. It costs tons of money. It hurts people further. It solves nothing. But a lot of people who feel that way, uh, who are more like left leaning or whatever, like however you want to say it, uh, are also the kind of the people who crucify public figures when something goes wrong. It's these weird dualities. That's why I don't like to pick sides. It's the same with people on the right who are like moral majority and all about Christian values. And then they, you instantly find out something awful about them sexually or whatever. And like that goes completely against what they preach. It's like, so why don't these people learn from these things? You know, one side's got to learn to forgive and one side's got to learn to be easier. So I don't, I just don't under, but that's where it comes from. Right. That that's where it comes from. Like they come, they are on that side because they have that in them and they are mad at themselves internally. So they, do that externally to other people. I mean, that's oversimplification, but you're getting a glimpse into how my brain works all day. It's like me well, yeah. cycling we're through all, these things, you know? We're all p- pushing for this meta narrative of purity. And like, there's no, there is no such thing right. as purity. Right. You know, like there, there's bad and good people and good and bad people. And, you know, like, I guess these stories that we've been telling ourselves, like the best stories, like they have elements of both of those things. A story could make you laugh and cry and have all these emotions and move you to all these different levels of moral meaning uh, and ethical plenitude. But then at the end of the day, um, we have to understand, you know, you know, how do we generate empathy out of those stories? You know, like how do we actually care for the person who made the mistake or was hurt? Um, you know, we, I think we're always in this dynamic where we're in this duality of survivorship and victimhood. And it's not really, it, you don't have, sometimes these things are not just one thing. Right. Like the, the to get to the survivor, the victimship has some kind of meaning to it or must take form. Um, you know, and there's, life is dynamic. There's not enough, um, there's not enough talk about how, these things have a relationship with one another. Instead, we're kind of pointing fingers at each other and, you know, just getting in these huge arguments and trying to cancel people. And I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people being awake or taking accountability. Yeah. Like you were saying, yeah. Um, because that's a good thing. Like, I think that there's actually a culture now where people say they're woke and it means something to be informed or try to be informed. It's something that I didn't have when I was younger and right. I wish I did. Right. Um, um, but at the same time, we have to look at, you know, how we're how we're crucifying people at, at, in, in some sense. Yeah, you know, to get you nowhere. To, to yeah. be the, everyone being the Spider-Man meme, you know, isn't pointing the fingers like doesn't 
get anybody anywhere. I also do think it comes from the way we watch celebrity is like a, our own soap opera we get invested in, but also with social media, we, it's not just celebrity. It's everybody. You're watching everybody. You're watching people, you know, people you don't know, people who are rich, people who aren't, but you get invested in like their relationships, uh, the way they live. And it becomes like what we're saying, like a, like a movie has a conflict and that's why you're watching the movie. It doesn't, it has a story, has something to, so when you watch a, your favorite couple, celebrity couple and one of them cheats, Oh, I always knew he was a scumbag. I always liked her, but she deserves better. You don't know these fucking people. Like you don't know, like you don't, <laughs> we don't really have any right to judge whoever did what thing wrong, but you're so invested in them as entertainment or as um, a model for what you wish your life was that it's like, makes me, no, please go ahead. No, it makes me think of the slap with Will Smith. Right. Right. Like, so like you see Chris Rock making this joke, um, you know, you all see Will Smith, like laughing at it for a little bit and right. then like realizes there's this deeper conflict with what's going on with Jada. You see him like look over and then you know, he realizes that he should be angry about this. Right. And there's a number of personas that are interacting there. There's like the Will Smith, he shows the public. Then there's the other ideal self of Will Smith that understands that he's supposed to be taking up for his wife. Right. He's not sure what to do. Will Smith, of all people who has avoided violence, talked down about violence, been someone that's been not really a violent rapper his whole career, yeah. you know, walks onto stage and violently attacks, you know, arguably one of the, um, you know, best or I don't know, most successful comedians of our time, you know, Chris right. Rock. <laughs> right. And, and then where does this emotional explosion come from? You know, I mean, obviously the, he wrote a whole book previously about like all these about his how his life has led up led him up to this point i mean of course he put himself as the center of the narrative as a hero um in the book but he went through a lot of stuff that he probably was processing during that moment i it is his entire this is a great example there his entire life uh has so many of the layers of what we're talking about will smith is such a successful rapper from philadelphia who is a positive rapper which you don't see very often to be quite honest and he is from a, not a, he's from a hard place and his entire career has been getting clowned for being positive light likable entertaining and as opposed to being tough or whatever and he, all he's done is been successful and turned positivity around and being <laughs> and, and he's constantly been picked on been like a kind of like uh, a scapegoated of hip of other hip hop, like other people in the culture. And well, you know, the dude played Muhammad Ali. Like he's not a fucking joke. Dude, he, like, rapped, <laughs> he rapped about Freddy Krueger, man. That was awesome. But it's like, of course, like you're getting publicly clowned your whole life. And also like it says, something, there's other layers there too. Like Chris Rock's past advances to Jada Pinkett. Like, like no one, like well, people do talk about that now, but when it happened, there's comedians like uh, Judd Apatow for one on Twitter was like he could have killed him, which is like people get slapped, dude. Like he he he's a big guy, but he slapped him. Like he didn't punch him in the fucking chest. He he slapped. Him. But like it also says a lot as a culture like about like you're supposed to be able to take a joke, but like how f we've also let people push the jokes into this realm of like 
a hundred years ago, you would have two hundred years ago, you would have been shot outside legally for insulting this guy's <laughs> wife publicly. You know, like, like, <laughs> yeah, like we're Will Smith's supposed to sit there and and have the entire world laughing at him over and over again, and then Chris Rock is just allowed to be like, "Fuck your wife, pussy," you know, and like. Mm-hmm. It, those jokes weren't funny like the, I, I don't hate Chris Rock and I'm not saying violence was the right move but he was like really insulting her like he it wasn't really like a roast I don't know it wasn't like great it, what was at the Oscars right like why was yeah. why well, is the dude insulting this woman at the Oscars and the whole nation's going yep fuck her hair you know like fuck like well when you get i guess when you get a comedian to host the oscars right that's what happens no but it's not though it's it's something we've deviated from where like it's comedians hosting the oscars to comedians like roasting the movies or roasting some of the actors to now they could just straight up talk shit to someone they have a personal problem with in real life from stage publicly no you're right that doesn't make and it's like I don't know that I wouldn't have fucking slapped him, to be honest. Uh, it was a little... And like what you're talking about, where he's kind of laughing. I've been in that situation in a bar where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, dude busting my balls and then makes fun of my girlfriend and I can take it. And then eventually I'm like, you know, this dude really doesn't have clearance to say this. Yeah, uh, like just, what if it was a non-comedian comedian up there saying right, it, it? You know what I mean? It just t- <laughs> it takes you a second. To, you're not always going to be like, you're not a movie. You're not going to do the exact right thing in the moment. But a second later, once you've had a second to think about it, you're like, maybe I'll slap this fucking dude. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it got way crazy out of hand. And I do. I understand like this comedian culture of like, oh, well, now everyone's going to get slapped. People shouldn't be able to hurt comedians. But these guys are the same guys who talk shit about, well, in the 80s, I used to have to fight dudes at a bar in Boston. That was real comedy. And this shit is for fucking crybaby snowflakes. And it's like, so which way do you want it, dude? Do you want people to get slapped or do you not? It's it's all it does. And I mean, it's just very human, but it's it's the point of view that works for you in that moment is the thing you support. So you're a tough comedian who came up in a tougher era and you deserve more respect. Also, you don't want to get slapped. So no one should be ever, ever be able to allow to reach you as a comedian. So it's it's like you can't really have it both ways or I guess you can, you know. But uh, that is a really great example because that actually like stirs up feelings in me, that example, to be honest, Um, as a Will Smith fan and a Chris Rock fan and a Jada Pinkett fan from, you know, especially from the work in the 90s. Like I'm invested in them as people I think I know in media, which I don't really know any of them at all or who they are, you know, behind closed doors. But also like. You know, Will Smith has been the soundtrack to my life. He was a TV show every every week for me. Like, I loved Chris Rock's comedy as I got a little older. Like, I, and I've also feel like I've been in situation. Like, I can feel like I've been everybody in this scenario, even Jada, at some point in my life. So it's a, a really great example, man. You really hit it, hit it home with that. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking as you were talking about that that what Dave Chappelle said about it when it was you know, a little bit after it happened, he says, I've been Will Smith, but I've also been Chris Rock. So he was like looking at both sides of it, pivoting around each person's perspective. I thought that that was a good way to kind of look at it. I've been the person I, he said, I am the person who will smack you if you disrespect my wife or whatever it is and my life. But I am also the person who has been slapped or humiliated and, and, and like Chris and understands what, you know, 
that's like to have to try to protect your career. He was talking about it like as a black comedian or a black actor in Hollywood, like Chris Rock was not like Chris Rock was, even if he wanted to not able to react to the yeah. situation, like even if he, and not like he could beat up Will Smith anyway. Right. Right. But like, even if he wanted to, number one, he's a small man, but then on the other end, he's a black actor who could face other kinds of repercussions just because of his position and status in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, the cultural aspect to it is something I can't even speak on, right? Like, I don't know what it's like to be black. And that's another thing. Like, I just, I just dissected this entire uh, situation based on my experiences. And I've, I've not even culture. I can't even relate to them on a level of what it's like to be a black entertainer or black in general. So it's funny that I even felt comfortable you're, being like, yo, I'm Will Smith. I'm yo, Chris Rock. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm, I'm a shitty white dude, race stripes. And stuff. I don't know what that struggles like at all. And that adds a completely different dimension to it. That has nothing to do with me. So it, it is an insane thing for people to jump and pick sides on that. Also, have you ever been slapped though? Absolutely. <laughs> really? Yes. I don't think I've been slapped. I I've mean, I've gotten in a fight, but not like slapped. That's I've slapped crazy. people too. I, 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 <laughs> it is what it is. I do think yeah. um, another thing, like I was just kind of taking Will's side, but on on the Chris Rock side, he took it like a fucking champ. Like his his head snapped back inside I, to the point where I thought it was fake the first time I saw yeah, it. Yeah, dude, a lot of people thought it the was way staged, his head right? snapped back, and a the way he was like it was the way he made a joke out of it was honestly the best possible way he could have handled it so like as to not totally take will's side chris rock like going will smith just smacked the shit out of me on fucking on at the oscars is the funniest thing he could fucking say yeah. you know like it was fucking great um so you know that you could kind of spin a positive on everybody's reaction to it so what do we learn yeah what do we learn like, sorry we gotta wrap this up we talk forever man i, I learned that i'm not the only person who thinks about these things i do i i like that there are people like chucky who can articulate better than me uh these kind of thoughts about yeah, identity i, I kind of feel the same way i guess <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's yeah i, I think uh i've learned that eric, someone breaks it down better i learned that eric's never been slapped no, I don't think I. I don't think I have. I mean, maybe Which, I have. Eric's I was, been in prison and I'm, he's never been slapped, but I get slapped all the time I mean, just punched, walking around. But I'm not like slapped. I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe just fucking around. I can't I remember know. a specific slap, but I know I've been slapped. I know it's happened. They do that slap thing, that competition I where they can't. just. Yeah, I don't know that. why my algorithm wants me to see those all the time. Oh, like, I don't give a shit at all. I'm sorry, Chucky. What did, did you learn anything today? I mean, you were teaching us, really. So. Uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> oh man, I learned a lot. I just like, you know, I think um having these kinds of conversations opens you up to all kinds of different critique, right? So like when you were talking about everyone from, you know, the Hulk to uh to Wolverine, like those are these are analyses that are analyses that, you know, I don't normally get on a daily basis. So I appreciate right, it. Right. Well, I'll turn anything into a fucking $4 comic, man. You give me a chance. Any, <laughs> any situation in my life will be related back to Cyclops or Wolverine. You got any stuff to plug or no? Yeah, Anybody? Chuck, you're always doing something, man. You got some stuff to plug today? Uh, I'm working on two projects right now. One of them's with a, a rapper from Boston named Omega Red. And so uh, I'll be it's doing Wolverine, Wolverine enemy right there. And <laughs> right. And then um, uh, we're working on a full-length album right now. Um, so, um, maybe I get a shout out to, uh, Chantel Michaud, who's my lovely girlfriend. And, um, and then, 
you know, all the kids and everything like that. Um, and then if uh, anybody's listening from Niagara University in my narrative identity class, um, maybe I can throw this up into the class, get some extra listens and, uh, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Please yeah, do. Uh, we could That'd use awesome. it. Tell them to rate and review and call in. And like, yeah. But uh, um, do you, what's your, where's the best place for people to find you online? I know you have a website. Oh, uh, yeah. You can find me at uh, www.chuckycampbellmusic.com. It's C-H-U-C-K-I-E. Uh, Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, um, music.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at Chucky Campbell. Just spell it like my name. Um, if you Google my name, you're going to run into all my music and stuff like that on Spotify and Bandcamp and all that other cool awesome. stuff. So. It's good to be the only one, right? Like of your name. Like when you Google Ray Strife, it's <laughs> yeah. just a list of my shit. It's very... Uh, yeah, when I went to send you the, the link for the the zoom i was like oh shit he got the original <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. the, the email wasn't like yeah. the name with like 187 yeah right right after yeah. or whatever do you have anything to plug eric oh nothing nothing i don't think Just so keep... i'm working on that phone call album i think it's gonna be the last one i do for a while because i want to do some music stuff i got yeah. some i got some shit with you we gotta, gotta keep doing this i got stuff. some i got some other stuff i want to do too it's always fun like working music. with you um i got um I'm just releasing more stuff. I, I have a lot of old stuff I'm sitting on that I don't know if I want to release or not, like uh, the old crack filler stuff. And uh, Go for it, I have man. a live album Why I not? might release. I'm, I'm just kind of tweaking it all, and I don't have a lot of time. Oh, did that uh, work when I sent you that? I got to sit even there and do it. I know. I, I'm busy, man, but I, yeah. I got to look. So I, I have the first crack filler record ever. Now I have my first rap demo ever, and I just got to like weigh like, the like how worth it it is to have them online for like posterity versus like how embarrassing they are <laughs> to actually listen to and the things that are on them. So I, I'm, I'm sure work, it'd be fun to listen but to. But you know, I'm working on this stuff with um, fuzz, uh, fuzz, Selective Fuzz and uh, with you. And I just agreed to do a show at a uh, Century Bar in Philadelphia, February 23rd. Nice. So that's soon. I'll um, put that so in my calendar. Check for us online. There'll be a flyer soon. Uh, Chucky, thank you so much. It's a great conversation. Thank you for waking up at nine to be here. Or I'm sure you had to wake up before nine to do it. In a, but I uh, I really appreciate it, man. Very stimulating conversation at first thing in the morning. Uh, please stick around. We're going to take a picture with your screen uh, so we can share it on Instagram. Mess with our narrative yeah. a little more. Thank you guys for listening. See you next week. Punks out. The Agent Punks Complain is recorded at Sketchism's Media Studios and produced by me, Eric Backlund. The theme song, The Agent Punk Complains, was written by Raymond Strife and Il Omega. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Agent Punks Complain. And if you like the show, leave a review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also leave us a message that may be featured on the show. Just call or text 609-358-0804.